Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. Um, Today you're in for a real treat. I was going to get on here and talk about a specific topic that I've been thinking about. And I mentioned it to Dave as I was chatting about work obligations. And I said, you know, I just hate talking to myself. I was like, it'd be so much better if we had a conversation. Maybe you could just join me. And he agreed. So we have Dave Bridges on the show. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Tara. Thanks for having me on the show. Can't wait. Yes, me too. I'm like, it's so much better when we just have a conversation. And he is also has some great input. I feel like we will have just some awesome things to be able to share with our listeners today around this topic. Well, we know that now is the time for interviews. It's interview season. It's the springtime. It's just a wonderful season of looking forward to new things and hoping for the future, something different. But I think sometimes with interviews, it can get kind of tricky. And both of my roles, well, all three of my roles, actually all my roles, take it all the way back to working at McDonald's. I mean, you always have to go through an interview process. And no matter what role I was in, there were interviews that were amazing. And then those ones that were just like, whoa, I don't know what just happened or how they feel about me. I have no idea. You just walk out of there thinking, I don't know what's happening. And so Dave, I thought, you know, this would be a good topic to share with some of our listeners today. Maybe some of our experiences. What do you think? I think that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it is definitely interview season. And so let's do it. Yeah. So Dave, you know, one of the things I thought we'd start with is my first teaching interview. And I remember that interview like it was yesterday. In fact, Daryl and I were passing the city um, where that teaching interview was. And I, I got to be a paraprofessional at that school for a little while. So I had known some of the teachers and I felt really confident about interviewing there But then I got into the interview and it was a massive panel of people. There were probably like 10 people around the table and they asked me such specific questions. I remember them asking me about animated alphabet and how was I going to teach that to kindergartners? I was applying for a kindergarten position. And I honestly did not even really know what animated alphabet was. I came from Texas. I lived in Kansas and that was a new resource for me. It wasn't something I had ever used before, but did I know how to teach reading? Did I know how to teach little kids? Did I understand the phonetic uh, process of learning and being able to read? Yes, I did, but they didn't ask me questions like that. They asked me very specific resource questions and I was thrown off my game. In fact, I remember telling them, I remember specifically saying, I don't understand I don't know the resource that you're asking specific questions about, but I know how to teach reading. You know, I've learned how to work with kids. I understand how to connect to students, find out where they are, get a baseline and build from there. I feel like a resource is something I could learn through the process. 
And they continued through 10 questions, all specific to resources in every different subject. Well, I left that interview looking stupid (laughs) and of course did not get the job. But when I left there, you know, I thought about why are we asking questions to our candidates of stuff that we could actually teach them? Why don't we try to learn some things about them that we've never, that we don't know, right? And so I'm curious, Dave, have you ever had an experience quite like that? Something that was negative like that? We'll talk about the positive ones later, but curious. Yeah, so I think my most negative interview experience was I, I applied to be a, uh, this is a random thing, but, but way before teaching, I, I applied to be a, a comedy instructor at a traffic school like a place that you go and you get your you get a ticket and in order to get rid of your like your ticket on your record you had to go through like a traffic school and I applied to be like a comedy instructor and I was set I knew I was going to be amazing at this I knew I could like entertain the class but still uh, teach all these different things that they needed to be as part of like the curriculum for the day and I got pulled into this room and we were all sitting around this big, huge board table, like 25 people around this board table who got pulled in a, as a single group. And then they just turned to you and said, basically, the question was, tell me the funniest thing that's ever happened to you. And so it's like, that's like the worst case scenario when someone basically points a finger at you and says, be funny. <laughs> you know? And so and it had nothing to do. I was all, I had all sorts of material prepared for like the uh, how we teach the traffic school and all this stuff. And it completely threw me off my game. I had to come up with something right on the spot and try to be funny with 24 other candidates staring at you. And they just went around the table and just asked people uh, to say the funniest thing that ever happened to them. It was a disaster. I did not get the job. I'm still angry about it. I still think I would have been good at it. And to this day, I want to like, I want to find those people who put that interview on and say like, you see, you see who you missed out on. I could have, I could have been teaching your traffic school and now look what you just did. And, and <laughs> maybe it, it uh, propelled me to, to prove them wrong and become an educator. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And yes, anytime people ask you to be funny on the spot or anything like that, even if you can do it all the time and then they ask you to, especially being funny, you know, like your funniest joke or the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in the classroom. And you're like, uh, I mean, there's been a billion of them, right? But just trying to think of and trying to measure up to be, it being funny to everyone else, because sometimes it's like in the moment, it was really funny. And then you tell the story and everybody looks at you like, really, that's it. <laughs> I don't think I would be a very good comedian, but I bet you would have been amazing. But I think what you said at the end is so true. You know, that was a missed opportunity to me, to that school district. (laughs) And to me at that moment, I thought this was the job. You know, I had worked as a parent educator for a few months. I felt like I knew people, but it gave me this opportunity to apply elsewhere and get the job that I did get. And I, you know, I'm sure everything happens for a reason. But later when I got to be an administrator and I had the power to hire and uh, candidates, it was just so nice to think about the questions. Like, I don't wanna ask them something I can teach them to do. I wanna ask them questions that lets me know more about them. And it reminds me too of my my favorite interview. We'll just jump to that one, which was um, Auburn Washburn, the last district that I worked for. I loved my interview with them. 
first of all, I wasn't even qualified for the job. So how I got there, like it's just a long story why I was even in that interview. Um, you had to be a principal for three years and I had never served as a principal yet, but I really just wanted to go and get interview experience so I could get a principal job. That was my goal. And I knew this was a district administrative job over um, instructional coaches. And I was really passionate about that. So I was like, this would be good experience if I get to get in there. <laughs> They're probably not going to call me back. Well, they did. And so once the first question, I got an email and um, it was seven days before the interview and they just told me to come up with a 10-minute presentation to share a little bit about me. And it specifically said, don't quote your resume. Like, <laughs> like we already have that. Tell us a little bit about you. And um, I love that question. It was so wide open. And I felt really nervous. And what could I possibly share with them about me that they wouldn't gain from my resume? So I thought they're going to want to know a little bit of specifics if for, as far as some some qualities I have that might make me a decent administrator of this role that I don't really even have the qualifications for. So I did share a little bit about moving systems, you know, moving a system to standards-based grading was something I had a great experience with in my grad school role. And so I shared a little bit about that, but I really shared about, I had just read George's book about the innovator's mindset. So I talked a little bit about once having this just just thinking a growth mindset was enough, but then later widening my vision a little bit and thinking about this from this innovator's mindset perspective and how, you know, just opening up and I told them about getting connected on Twitter and all these things that I'm sure this little tiny district was not going to love. You know, I was just sure that they weren't going to call me back, but I'm like, this is my one chance to kind of share these things that's been happening in my world. And it's kind of flipped it upside down and maybe see things from a different view and how we really as educators need to be more open. And man, I just took the liberty. And at the bottom of that email, it said, you have 10 minutes and time is of an essence. We will stop you at 10 minutes. So I thought, okay, I got to practice this. I need to rehearse this. And I love that question so much. First of all, unanimously, they voted me back for the second interview and I couldn't believe it. But, um, and I got the job later. I mean, after all of that, but I love that question for so many reasons. One that you can just share anything so you get to know all kinds of things that you might not have ever known about that candidate before, but also that your questions following it, even if they were resource specific, which I highly don't recommend, but if they were something specific, you can tailor those questions just a little bit based off of some of the things they said in their presentation. And that is exactly what happened. They started asking me questions about how I would, I would, use technology to enhance um, the learning in the classroom, how I'm gonna train the coaches to think like this. Could they then read that book? We all read Innovator's Mindset because they wanted them to think like this too, right? And so there were a lot of questions following the, the presentation that were all tailored based off of things that I had talked about. So we actually tried that in Lawrence. I shared it with my district leaders over here, even though I didn't work for Lawrence any longer, and they started using that question. I think they still use it now for hiring coaches. And I think it's just a great way to truly just get to know your candidate a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I think there's a couple of powerful things there. And one is that 
they get a chance to see how you craft a presentation too and what uh, and how you deliver a presentation. And that's something that's always unusual to me is a lot of times we hire teachers without ever seeing them teach something or without, without ever getting to see them present. That was something I talked to Kim Bearden about on uh, my podcast and how like, for example, at Ron Clark Academy, part of the interview process is they deliver a like kind of a sample lesson to kids, <laughs> you know, to people that they're going to actually, how do, how does a person interact with students? That's an important element to see in, in an interview. And so, but a lot of times the only thing we see is just how they answer a stock set of questions sitting in a room, you know, with a bump, bunch of people staring at them, which is not a very, um, you know, not an authentic way to, to judge whether or not someone is going to be an effective instructor. So and true. And Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. One of the things like I get kicked back on about this question is people will say, well, Terry, you're allowing them to prepare for the question. Um, and yeah, but they're preparing for questions anyway. They're preparing canned responses to these lame questions they're finding on the internet. I know because I was one of them. Then I went to my first interview and they asked me super specific questions about a very specific resource and I didn't know anything. All my canned response answers that I had already thought of, how I would sound a little bit different to that question. They didn't ask me those questions. But your candidates are already preparing. They're already thinking ahead if, if they're those if they're preparing at all. So why not allow them to use their time wisely and prepare something that's actually going to be beneficial to you? And um, yeah, one of the things about the, the two different rubrics they used to judge me based off of that question, one of them was presentation. There were five bullet points of, about presentation, about how she connected with each, of, each one of them. Um, how they were just very specific about the presentation style. And did she share basically things about her personal life, her professional life, a little bit of interest, like basically was it well-rounded? You know, there were some candidates later when we hired coaches, we asked the same question. So I got to use that and be on the backside of that interview process. And um, we did have people that still came in and read their resume and they were just like immediate no's. And even though they might have been really talented, they didn't know how to express themselves and share about themselves, right? And so that's really important, especially if you're working with kids. We have to be able to, and working with humans, like anybody, have to be able to connect, right? And share those things that you're so passionate about, you're interested in, so you can also hopefully foster that kind of culture in your own classroom, your own system. Yeah, I think the idea that they were allowed, people were allowed to prepare, that's not a downside at all. I want to, I want to know how does someone prepare? Do they prepare? Right. And then also, again, as you mentioned, like you get to see, do they connect? Are they connecting with the audience? Are they interacting with the audience? Um, does it feel like they're just reading off the resume or off a script, or is there some sort of you know authenticity to it? And so we all know people who, on they have an incredible resume. They have all these different things that they can point on the resume, but actually can they connect with their with the people that they're interacting with, right? And so those are the, the, the relationship pieces you can see. And what do they choose to share? And what don't they choose to share? All those different things are super important. It kind of reminds me of podcasting, like for example, with, you, with the Real Journey Show, 
where your opening question basically is, tell me about you know, one of your journeys. And so it's kind of open-ended and they have a chance to express themselves and choose something. And uh, as opposed to like the, the, my least favorite kind of podcast is the one where it's just very canned questions that they want you to answer. Um, I much prefer the open-ended questions. I think I, I feel like most humans would say that. And in, you know, thinking about this, this reminds me of our learners. How many learners? Uh, the students just love it when we provide them open-ended questions and there's really no wrong answer and they get to express what they think. It just makes them feel like their voice is actually heard. And yeah, there were people that walked out of those interviews and we were like, whoa, like, why would you share that with us? But, you know, you get a little taste of what they're like, and we would have never known that. And maybe off their resume, obviously off their resume, we thought they were good enough to come in for an interview. And so um, it's good. To, it just weeds it out. It's just a great little question. Um, do you have any questions you'd like to share? There's a couple more I, I personally love, but I'm curious to hear, like, what you think. Well, so the interview that I had to get my very first teaching job, I know for a fact what question it was that got me the job. And because I talked later to a person who was on the panel and said like, hey, listen, you know, your interview was great, but this is the one that really separated you from, other, from some of the other candidates. And the question was, tell us about a book that you've recently read and how it's influenced your practice. And I knocked that one out of the box. I, I just, I had several books that I had read and I had takeaways and things that I had was that, that had impacted me and that, was, that were influencing my practice. And I think what that gets to is, is this person intellectually curious? Are they a reader? Do, are they looking, are they a learner? Are they, how, what are they doing to expose themselves to new ideas? And so many of the other candidates stumbled over that one, were struggling to come up with a book or a takeaway. And I just couldn't wait to talk about these books that I recently read. And so I think that's a great, uh, I love that question too. Like, I wanna know, you know, what, what have you recently read? Like what, and, and how has that influenced your practice? I think that's a great question. It's an awesome question. And I, I think you're right. I, I sometimes on the podcast that, I'll, um, that I'm the person being interviewed, they will ask you, what book are you reading? And I love that question. And then afterward, I've heard several of the hosts tell me, you know, sometimes that trips people up because they don't know what's coming. <laughs> they haven't been reading anything. And if you're not a reader, that's understandable. Maybe you, um, you listen to podcasts or you get information in other ways uh, for learning. That's understandable. Um, I personally love reading. I'm always, I always have a book by my nightstand and yeah. If there's nothing on Netflix, which is very often for me, because I'm not very good at staying with a show, I will just put on my noise canceling earmuffs, let Daryl watch his shows, and I'll just read. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great and, one. And what you said about the it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a book is true. Like it's basically what what are you doing to expose yourself to new ideas, and are you intellectually curious? Are you a learner? Are you someone who's actively seeking new information and consuming new information, however it is that you consume it? And that's something for sure I want to know about a candidate because uh, you know, there's an ever, it's, the landscape is always changing. There's always new innovations, there's new developments. And I wanna know that someone is actively um, pursuing that new information and it does have kind of an innovative um, viewpoint and is always looking forward. So true. You know, Dave, um, it kind of reminds me too, 
you know, when you're consuming, we, we often, I guess, as connected educators, we're constantly seeing creators, like everyone is putting stuff out there, right? We're always constantly seeing new information being put out there. But I think it's important for us to take note of how are those creators consuming? Because you have to, you have to keep taking in to be able to put out. So if you're constantly putting stuff out, but you're not really in tune with what is relevant to those that you serve, it's not really going to help you. And that kind of reminds me of getting this job, honestly. I mean, this is like a different kind of interview process, <laughs> but um, I I think it kind of goes back to my that interview at for an administrator. While I wasn't quite qualified, I still was able to land the job and it was based off of being able to connect. And it was also based off of having such a love for instructional coaching, honestly, but because um, they needed someone to serve their instructional coaches. So it, it did kind of work out in my favor there, but this is a totally different field. So yeah, there, I wasn't quite qualified in the admin category. So that was a lot of things my director actually had to teach me a ton, especially when it came to all the financial parts. I did not understand that world at all. Uh, the budget, so stressful, like all kinds of things I had never experienced in my roles of education. But moving into this role, totally outside of the educational system, um, you guys really took a chance on me. I don't know. I, I'm interested. I don't know. What would you share with people for entrepreneurs out there that are maybe hiring candidates and, you know, maybe they have this set of criteria Basically, what I do, you would probably need a graphic designing background. Um, you would also probably need some type of coaching authors background. And I don't know what else, social media, marketing backgrounds. And I, I really didn't have any of those things necessarily. Yeah, so Tara, I, don't, I, I don't think that we took a chance on you at all. Like I was pretty certain that this was going to work out. And it's because of those things. I mean, you're, you are a learner. So it wasn't that you, you didn't need to know that stuff. You just needed to have the ability to learn it and the desire to learn it. Right. And the, and you were great at connecting with people and people, um, you know, I've talked to you before about the, some people have like a certain energy about them that when they interact with other people, those people feel better. And the, you know, when you, when someone walks into a room, does the energy of the room is it does it increase or does it decrease? You know, like what are, are what happens when you interact with other people? And so that's what I saw. I saw a learner. I saw someone who was great at building relationships and connecting, and that people just like to be around. And so that's a person that I want to have a part of the organization. And the actual the technical skills of doing the work was not an issue because those are all things that you can develop, but try to teach someone to be a connector and a builder of relationships and, and to, uh, to increase their, their kind of their energy and charisma. Now that's hard to teach, right? But learning how to make a website, that's, that's something that you, that's a skill that anybody can develop by just putting in the time. And I knew certainly that you'd be able to put in that time. And I know one of the first things that was, was interesting when you took the position is I, I think you kind of wanted a rubric, right? Yeah. You wanted, a, <laughs> you wanted a, jo a job description. And what we said is, no, 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 no. Like we, that's why we hired you. We want you to 
We want you to take and, and shape this job and craft this job and to make it what you think it needs to be to serve our people, to serve our authors and to serve our community and just go, you know, go crazy, go, go after it and, and shape it and craft it. And so I think that was kind of the, the initial struggle that we had. It was, yeah, it was a real struggle on my end because I was so used to, um, even in that admin role, when I got in, there was a Danielson rubric. I could look at distinguished and I could figure out all of the things I needed to work on to be able to be in that far right hand column because that's where I wanted to live. And I know that people out there listening are like, <laughs> that's not normal. It's not normal, but that is where I lived as a teacher, as an instructional coach, that's where I wanted to live as an administrator. So when I got on, I was like, okay, I had a meeting with David Shelley. I said, okay, tell me all the things I need to do to be excellent and beyond for this role. And they're like, you're building this role. <laughs> we hired you because we feel like you have all the basics to build this role. So get out there and find out what our people need. And that's what you need to do. Like whatever they need, that's what we need to figure out how to do. And that was so challenging. So if you're an entrepreneur listening, I think Dave has some just great advice for you. Not just because I took this role and it's doing fine. <laughs> I'm doing fine. But because I think it's important, not only for the company, but for the person you just hired to remind them, you know what, you have all these things that I can't teach you, but all, you go out there and find out what our people need, our authors, our readers, whoever that is, our community, our PLN, what do they need? And then you come back and tell me what you don't have training to do. And that's what Dave and Shelley did. They hired someone to teach me how to do stuff. Our, our One of our lead graphic designers taught me how to build websites and how to do a lot of different designing stuff that I had never learned how to do. Liz is amazing. But um, they, they allowed her to come over and to teach me these things. And before long, I'm like running on my own. So I think that's important, you know, hiring people. And it really, this works for education too. Looking at, are they connecting? Are they, do they bring energy to the field? Are they excited and passionate about what they're doing? And um, those are the things you can't really teach people. And with that 10 minute question, you can really start to learn a little bit of that from that question too, that question we talked about earlier. Yeah, so I think you want, you want that flexibility, adaptability, the, the um, growth mindset, right? All, all these different things are super important. And you want to hire, hire for the best people. Don't hire for, a, you know, the, what you need is going to change. And so if you hire for something very specific, especially as an entrepreneur, well, the the landscape's going to be constantly changing. There's going to be new new things that you have to do. And so hire the best people. As a coach, I look at it that way too, is um, I'm looking for the best players that it might not be, I don't, I don't need a shooting guard or I'm not high, I'm not like looking for a center. I want to get the best players and then I'm going to be able to craft the best team from that group. And so that's that's what you want. You want to get try to get the best people in your organization. Who's going to have the most positive influence on your culture? Like who do you want to be representative of your school, your culture? That's the person you want. And uh, as opposed to, I need a person that can teach third grade. Yeah, totally. When, <laughs> this is kind of silly, but it kind of relates. But you're talking about the brand, you know, your, your brand, how do you hire someone to help promote 
that message that you want to send out to the world? And um, I had a funny question. I've never used an interview, but I thought about it was just if you were to brand your whatever practice with an icon or an emoji, uh, what would it be and why? And I think something like that is really great to ask people to kind of narrow in what is their key, what is their focus? What is it that they stand for? Um, I think mine would be a heart probably, or (laughs) I feel like that's kind of me. And so I think about be real, but not just that. I, we've talked about it. I'm a learner. I'm a connector. I'm a builder of relationships. That's what I love to do. And that's what I feel like I'm, I do in all the different roles that I get to serve in this life. And so learning a little bit, just learning that about somebody kind of gives you an idea and just a little tiny little glimpse of what is so very important to them. Yeah. Imagine like what happened just this past year with the disruption caused by the pandemic and all that. Well, who, who are the people that did best during this time period? It's people that were flexible and adaptable and were able to connect, build relationships and all these different things and had that growth mindset. And because, I mean, who, how, when you were hiring, how could you ever have expected what was going to happen? Right. You couldn't. But if you hired for, for the best people, then those people are going to be able to adjust to all the different changes that have taken place. So true. So true. So one last question I thought we would talk about is the question, the candidate. So if you're out there interviewing and um, we've kind of been talking from the back end of interviews, but if you are the candidate, I think it's important that you ask a question too. And I know they always give an opportunity at the end and we always were a little, I don't know. I didn't like it when a candidate just said, oh, I have no questions. I feel like they should always be curious. I feel like there should always be something that they're curious about. And so if you're not sure what to ask, I think just asking the people around the table, what do you love so much about your job or your role here? Tell me a little bit about that because learning a little bit, and if they stumble on that question, that's a little concerning. You know, this interview process works both ways. If they don't love their job and they don't love working for the system, Like, maybe I don't want to work for the system either. Maybe there's a better system out there for me. But asking them something like that, I think would give you a little insight on what they think about their role and why they love it so much or they don't. Yeah, I like that. And I think there's, it's kind of like a, um, too many people maybe go into an interview and they're kind of, uh, they like reek of desperation. Like they're just, they're desperate to have that position as opposed to, I mean, you, if you have confidence in yourself, then you see yourself as you're going to be a huge asset to this school, this district, this culture, the organization, whatever it is that you're applying for. And so in a sense, um, I mean, they're competing for you too. You have choices of where you can go, where you can work. And so uh, I, I like that, the idea of saying like, well, why, you know, what is it about this place that is amazing? Yeah. Tell me why I should work here. Yeah. <laughs> what do you love so much? And when I did pose that question at that first interview, that interview I was talking to you about um, for the administrative position. And I remember listening around the table and everyone truly loving their jobs so much. I mean, really specific telling me pieces. And if you have an opportunity to hear from all of them, that's fantastic because from the teachers, the classroom teachers, all the way to the superintendent, 
sharing their passion about working for this district, I was like, whoa, like I was sold. I want I knew I wasn't qualified for the job. And I was like, I want to work there. <laughs> like now I want to work there. So I remember coming home and Daryl saying, how, how'd it go? I was like, I think I did fine. But seriously, the last question is what sold me. Like, I really want to work there. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing to watch for is how I, I'm always interested to hear how people talk about their previous employers and previous jobs and people. And um, if they've had negative experiences, multiple places, um, then sometimes you get to the idea like, well, not all of these places could have been about the place. If you've had a negative experience every place you've been, that that might be a red flag that um, the problem could be you. Yeah. What's the common denominator here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, I figure like if they're if they're bad mouthing everyone that they've ever worked for before, that that's probably what they're going to do eventually to me when they're not working for me. You know? exactly. So that's yeah. something to be to be careful of is to make sure that you're. Um, you know, you don't put everything into a negative light in places that you've been in the past. It's totally true. That's really important. I have always loved all my roles. So <laughs> it's been easy to like say, I would have never left that if I didn't have this better opportunity. And I remember coming here and just, first of all, that was such a wonderful opportunity there. But I remember coming here and my superintendent saying, okay, if you get out there and that's just not your thing, <laughs> you know who to call, call us back, you know? And I, I think being able to leave a position with that kind of um, reputation is just a really good thing too. So if you're looking to find somewhere else and maybe you are a little unhappy and that's when you're looking for something different or you just have another opportunity that lands in your lap and you can't pass it up, leaving on good terms is just always the right thing to do, <laughs> always. You never know. Um, one of the things I was talking to, uh, I got to present for a, the International Women's Day uh, event for a group in Canada. And I loved listening to the other two women that were on the panel with me. One was aviation um, manager lady, just incredible lady, I forgot her title. And one was an engineer. But one of the things that they were talking about is you just never know the people you're serving now could later be your bosses. And so keeping those relationships respectful. And even if you decide to remove yourself from a certain relationship, a certain job, but keeping that line of respect very ever present, you never ever know when it comes full circle. She said one of their lead engineers that now has a role above her was a kid that she basically trained. And so she, um, yeah, she's in a high role, but he's also just in a higher role. And I think that's really important too. Yeah, I think that's a great general rule just for life is you don't want to, don't, don't burn bridges. Mm -hmm. Don't leave situations in a, uh, you know, in a place where there's going to be negativity. And you never know, even if you don't end up maybe working with that person again, you never know who they talk to, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll never even know the impact, you know, the fact that you left in a positive light. Well, then later they made some comment to someone who made a comment to another person and it comes back and helps you somewhere down the line. And so it's kind of like a, you leave good karma all around yeah. you as many places as you can. Don't burn bridges. And uh, eventually that's going to come back to, to serve you. Agreed. Agreed. 
If you're ever looking for great leaders, you can just look at Dave and Shelly and, and they're great models. <laughs> so if you need some inspiration, look at them and look at our little team. I think, I think we are just probably one of the best little teams, in my opinion. We're small but mighty. Agreed. Agreed. And we are a unit. Yes. So that's what you want. You want a culture of, we're all different too. I guess, you know, before we close out, one thing about our team that makes it so cool, I feel like every single member of our team is so very different. But yet we have like this collective. I don't know, awesomeness. And we work like a fine greased machine, but it wasn't easy. I don't think it's necessarily easy for such different personalities to always mesh together. But once you can value everybody's individuality, what a dynamite team. I think you guys did a great job. Well, thank you. you. And and that that kind of reminds me a little bit of like what I was talking to Sean Gaylord about on my show. It's like the, the idea of a band and you don't want five lead guitar players. You don't want five uh, lead singers or five people that play the drums. You want to find people with different strengths and talents that when put together will complement each other and they can collaborate and connect and make something truly magical, right? And so, for example, uh, I do not want, nobody wants me to be doing the accounting. <laughs> nobody wants me to be doing those spreadsheets and figuring stuff out and all that kind of stuff like that uh but wendy's perfect at that right that's exactly what uh, that's her strength and um and so like everyone on the team has a strength and a talent and together we create great music together but if we definitely want to all be the same yeah and individually i would think we weren't as I don't know. It wouldn't be as complete, right? I feel like putting all of them together, and it's just five. We're just a small little team. But I think thinking about that too, when you're interviewing, say somebody comes in and they are just, they're the Dave Burgess, but you already have three Dave Burgesses for that grade level or for that um, piece of your system, that part of your system. While that's fun, why would you why not choose someone who might complement that? And I think that's important for us to think about too, because they can come in and just kill the interview. But if you already have a bunch of that, you may not want five lead guitarists. It just may not make the most beautiful song. Yep. Sometimes yeah. you have to throw the keyboardist in too. Yeah. we got to have those keyboardists and singers. <laughs> so that reminds me when we're talking about these, the collection of talents, and different talents. Sometimes there were times where we would be interviewing. So I'm on the back end of the interview process and somebody comes in and they are, they killed the interview, but I knew specifically we were looking for a guitarist, right? We were not looking for the piano player. We already had three of them. And for the school, we were going to be placing this coach it was very necessary. They had a certain kind of personality type to be able to mesh with that group. And so while some really amazing candidates didn't get the job, it wasn't because they weren't good enough. It wasn't because I didn't think they were going to be an amazing coach. They just weren't the right fit for our situation. And so I think if you're getting rejections out there, that was really hard for me at first, especially applying for teaching positions to a new state when I moved here. 
But there were just times where it wasn't a good fit. I just wasn't the fit. They didn't need somebody this energetic for their world at that moment. And I think that's really important for us to remember. Don't hang your head down low. Be resilient. Um, be relentless. Just keep putting yourself out there. Keep sharing your passion. Because when it is the right fit, it's really the right fit. And it feels good. And you're glad to be there. And they're glad to have you there. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just about the match, right? Whether it matches with what the specific specific need is at that moment. And I think about this with books um, because obviously we get lots of book pitches and proposals and a very low percentage of them actually get selected to be DBC Inc. books. But it's never about which ones are the best or which one. It's not about when we reject a title a lot of times I'll say, I, I love that person. I love their work. I think they're brilliant. I love what they wrote. But at that moment, maybe we already have a couple books that are that it overlaps with too much or that we have too many books in that particular area uh, that are coming out in the next six months or 12 months. Or maybe we're kind of already filled up for that time period of books that we're looking for, or it's just not the right match. It has nothing to do with the book not being good. It has nothing to do with that author not making the cut or something like that. Like I, uh, we, have, we have turned down books from people that I have just like the utmost respect for. And I just love every single thing that they do. And they are totally, it has nothing to do with the quality of their work. It's just maybe it wasn't the right fit at the right moment, or they just, it, the pitch came at the wrong time. It's so true. And you know, that's so easy to say when you are the person interviewing, or you're the person that gets to say, we're going to keep this one or not. It's easier to understand and to process that. Um, but when you're the person that's getting rejected, it's really hard. I know that we're saying this to you as um, as you're listening, and it sounds easy, but it's I know I know that is so hard. I hate getting rejected, and I hate that feeling. But if there's ever a way that you can reframe your thinking that this isn't really rejection, this is kind of redirection, and maybe this wasn't the direction I needed to head. Maybe I needed to apply over here because that's exactly what happened to me at that first interview that we were talking about earlier. I wanted that job so bad and I thought I kind of had it, honestly. And I got rejected, but it just redirected me to the role I ended up taking in Topeka. Love it, loved it, got to serve kids that were just like me when I was a little girl, lived in poverty, those kinds of things on free lunches. Like I could relate to the kids that I was serving because that was exactly how I grew up. And I wouldn't have had that same experience in the school district that I was applying for. So it wasn't really rejection. It was just redirection and leading me in a different way. Absolutely. That's in like back to the books. I love it when I see titles that we have said no to come out with other publishers. And that's what I tell it's like, oh, so you're saying this book isn't good enough to publish. I'm like, no, it is wonderful. Please put this book into the world. And right now it's not going to be with us, but this is absolutely, this is a message you're passionate about and other people need to hear this. And so please redirect, like you said, re redirect and, and find another place to get this message out into the world because it needs to be into the world. And um, I love when I see the other people do that. 
So true. Well, that's it. I just kind of wanted to close with that. I think that's really important. You know, I think we've talked about all the different perspectives of an interview and what you could possibly feel. And if you land that job you've been hoping for, congratulations. We are excited for you. Please do share those things out too, because we love celebrating with our friends and our PL family out there. So thanks for joining the Real Journey Show. Again, if there's anything from the show that you've been able to take and apply in your world, do share out and tag us on social media. We love hearing what you guys are thinking about the show. And if you're running or exercising right now and you think about it later, you can post it later. Thanks again, Dave, for joining me. Absolutely. And we wish all of you, if you're interviewing or looking to interview other people, we wish you the best luck in finding the best position or the best candidate for your position that you can find. Thank you so much for joining The Real Journey Show. We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.